Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ath Geeks Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Adrian, and of course we have the co-host with me today right here, Spells. How you doing this afternoon, Spells? Well, unlike you, I don't sound like shit, so I think I feel pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely, definitely not. I'm definitely under the weather, not feeling well, but you know, still got to go on regardless. Yeah, you got to drink more orange juice, bro. <laughs> I gotta drink juice, period, man. We be on water only. Crystal don't be having like no juice in this house. Well, start going to the grocery store with her. Nah, cause yeah. nah, cause then I gotta take Sophia. That's more of a hassle. What? You just put her. There's a whole slot in the cart for little toddlers. You just stick. Them yeah, in. but she don't like sitting there. She gonna want to get out and get out around, run around. And if we don't let her get out, she gonna throw a fuss. It's just gonna be too much. That's facts. That's facts. But I yes. don't have that problem because I, you know, I pop my kids. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I told you, like I said before, I, I'm trying to go. I'm trying to avoid that in the beginning and see if I can go without doing that. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna see how long I last. Eventually, I'm a, my mom always makes fun of me. She's like, "That's not gonna last long." Have you never popped Sophia? I mean, I wouldn't say never. No, I have, I have before, but it was like an instant, like a pause. Like I was like, oh. trying to avoid. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to. Um, what's called whooper. I'm, I'm gonna try to go with just the whole talking approach in the beginning. So this is my thing, and this probably ain't really podcast. This ain't Av Geeks podcast certified. This is just Bakari certified. Mm-hmm. I feel like at like from one to three. They don't even have like a full gra- like full grasp on like whatever language they speak, right? So they're learning how to speak English in your case. She's learning how to speak English and Spanish. So she has two languages she has to learn. She may not always know exactly what you're talking about. And even if she does, she's not grasping the consequences. Like they don't get those concepts as thoroughly. So I always feel like, yo, and when I say pop, like I don't really mean like, you know, how we used to get popped and shit, like. You don't really need that last and staying. Just they don't like it. It embarrasses them. So just a little tap on the butt, smack the hand down, and keep it moving. They cry anyway. Yeah, I see what you mean. But um, usually when I just yell, raise my voice or something, she still doesn't like that. She gets embarrassed, mm-hmm. and so she, that usually still plays some effect. I don't know. It's definitely personal. Yeah, I, I, I'm just trying to see. I mean, Crystal pops her still, but as I'd be like, oh. I try to avoid it. I try to just talk to her. I got it, yo. So you trying to be the good cop? I'm not even trying to be the good cop. I was like, because I talked about it before she was even born. I was like, I don't really want to whoop her. And Crystal kind of was like, okay. And then she does it anyway. So she she's like, I'm going to do it regardless. That's the easy <laughs> thing. Now, my mom says the same thing. When she comes over here, she's going to get popped. That's fine. I mean, I can't. I can't control everybody else. I'm like, I just don't want to. Oh man, but, see how it goes with you. What you mean? Cause man, it's like, cause it's not like it's not like you absolving her from a from a whooping free lifestyle. She's still getting popped, just not by you. So it's like, yeah, in her eyes, you're the weakest link. <laughs> just saying, man. I'm just telling you how uh, it is. Man, I mean, I guess if if you want to put it like that, I guess you can see you say I'm the weakest one. I mean, yeah, of course, I got a soft spot. Uh, I give in a lot, mm-hmm. but it's whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see how how whatever it is when she's 16, she's still your car. Nah, 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 nah. She oh. ain't. Nah, she yeah, not. She not gonna be. Yeah, I know. She not gonna, <laughs> we go. We we we'll, we'll worry about that then. Like I said, who, who knows? I might change my mentality by then. I don't know, but that's just a right now thing. If if I if it keeps continues on and it doesn't seem like it's changing, then you know things can change. I'm not against changing. I'm always open to changing. I just that's just not how I'm, that's not where I'm at right now. For sure, man. For sure, I get you. Mm-hmm, yeah, but anyways, we've been. We can do a whole nother parenting episode another time. <laughs> right now, we're supposed to be talking about, um, what was that? A couple weeks ago that Chris Paul and Rondo, you know, the whole little thing again, 
And then Rondo stared him down as he hit the three in his face again when the Lakers and the Clippers played and everything. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about their little, their whole legacy. And obviously those two always have had beef. You've seen it in the past. I'm getting into it. Them do everything like that, fight and everything. Mm-hmm. So you've seen that they have their beef in the past. So we're just going to compare their legacy. So what do, what do you think right now? Uh, it's really interesting to see. So I always favor production over the, I don't want to say results because results are important, but like Chris Paul is probably still a dominant, like he probably like a top five point guard. That may not, that may be, that may be too generous in some people's eyes, but I mean, to me, he's an MVP, he's an MVP candidate this year, even though his stats aren't gaudy just at the, the clip he's producing and the impact he had on the Suns. And, I mean, Rondo, every time he goes to a team, you know, he's, he's very impactful in the playoffs, but it's at a lower – I don't want to say it's not as efficient, but it's not as impactful. Like, he's not that starter caliber player anymore. Um, So I, I'll give CP3 the leg up just for, like, longevity's sake, even though he's missing a ring and Rondo has two. Two. Yeah, you got two of them. Um, my whole thing with that is, you know, like I'm a Rondo fanboy and everything. Mm-hmm. However, I'm not I'm not so blind to the fact where I would just say Rondo is above Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, my whole thing with the whole the whenever Rondo goes somewhere, his impact is less. I mean, I agree due to the fact that he's not scoring the ball, mm-hmm. but his presence on the court and his IQ still doing the same thing Chris Paul is doing. Like there's just their presence right there. It just, it changes the entire team. It changes the game because, you know, you got that veteran leadership and you have somebody that really just lets you know, mm-hmm. cause you know, like a lot of people, they're hooping and they, they're hoopers. They're true hoopers. However, they just kind of, you know, let the game come to them, do what they got to do. Right. But as the whole winning aspect and as a team, mm-hmm. it's they don't really have that grasp yet. And it takes a lot of time for a lot of greats to figure it out. A lot of greats early on, you know, they be dominating and everything, but mm-hmm. it takes them a while to grasp the whole winning concept. Yeah. And I think that's something that Chris Paul and Rondo both have like used. That's why Rondo, that's why Kobe was like he wanted to play with Rondo. That's why um, LeBron wanted Rondo. That's why a lot of players, they want Rondo to be on the team with them. The Clippers pursued him so heavily mm-hmm. because of what he brings in that aspect. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, they'd be pursuing Chris Paul too, but Chris Paul's making 40 mil. Yeah. So nobody's about to take on that 40 mil contract for an like an older Chris Paul unless he would, you know, restructure his contract, which he's not going to do. So. Yeah, Chris Paul is in a weird position where he's almost too effective to ring chase because um, he's not going to take a pay cut. Like, it, it doesn't make good business sense. He's, he gets on good enough teams to make the playoffs when he gets there. So why, who am I to give up 40 mil because I want to win a piece of jewelry? Um, th- that time will come. He'll be effective enough down the road. I can see Chris Paul playing for five more years. Honestly. Oh, absolutely. I still he can definitely still be a double double machine. Now he's not gonna have that same sixteen and whatever. He might not even be a double. He might, but he's still gonna be an effective twelve and eight kind of guy for the next four or five years, regardless. I think so. His game doesn't like go off athleticism and everything. Yeah, and I think this is where you'll probably get a little upset with me. I think Chris Paul in five years will be what Rondo is now, because that's kind of how Rondo is. Right now, he, he'll give you a little eight points off the bench, but they eight solid-ass points. He'll give you, you know, he'll probably get close to double-digit assists depending on how many minutes he plays. But, you know, Rondo's impact is never scoring, and it doesn't really have to show in the box score. It's just it's just positioning, you know what I'm saying? He he knows the other team's playbooks inside and out. He he understands what, the, what team's assignments are and where everybody's supposed to be. He gets them in place. That's why LeBron liked playing with him so much because it took a lot of pressure off LeBron. He could trust the ball to be in somebody else's hand. That's probably one of the best things mm-hmm. Magic Johnson did was try and get Rondo to the Lakers. But yeah, I think Chris yeah. Paul in five years, he'll probably his scoring is going to drop just because I mean he's not he's never been the quickest. He's always been quick, but he's never been like athletically dominant. He's been really skilled, but I mean he's never been like a prolific scorer either. 
Um, he he gets he gets off and bursts. So I mean, it's always good to have him paired up with a Blake Griffin and Devin Booker. Uh, I mean, I don't a smaller scale at SGA, just so you can have someone to help feed off of. So as he gets older, probably see him being like that sixth, seventh man off the bench, kind of how Rondo is now. But it's just wild seeing how the career started. You know, we had that discussion way back in the day. It was always, you know, Rajon Rondo, DeRon Williams, and Chris Paul, who's the best. And now one of those three is going to be in the league right now. Golly. Darren Williams' fall off was so crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, the way he fell off from being just a top point guard. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people, like, were saying that he was just a product of the Jazz's offense and that Jerry Sloan offense, mm-hmm. the heavy point guard. They were like, that he's just a product of that pick and roll offense. But even when he was in the Nets, he was still balling for a little bit. But he just, his fall off was ridiculous. Yeah, I think I think we kind of saw the beginning of the end when he left. Because where did he go after the Nets? He went to Cleveland, right? Uh, yeah, he fell off a little bit and went to Cleveland. Where I think he fell I don't even think he was in the league for a while. And then he, and then he popped back up in Cleveland. It didn't do nothing. At first, they were like, oh, he's going to be a good scorer and everything off the bench. He came in in that Warrior series and literally did nothing. He was so ineffective. He was, yeah, he was I remember. awful. If you're if you're on the LeBron-led team and, you, and you're trying to make a comeback to, like, to resurrect your career after being a ball-dominant player, you're on the wrong team. That, that almost ended Derrick Rose's career. Derrick Rose almost retired playing with LeBron. It's not LeBron's fault. It's just – how are you supposed to adjust to not having the ball in your hands and your whole career is predicated off of being off of being D one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I mean yeah, being the number one and being that, you know, the person that's initiating the pick and roll and now you're the person that's spotting up in the corner and just catching it and you have to mm-hmm. drive off the catch and or just catch and shoot. You're not really creating your own offense and everything. You haven't everything created for you. Which it it's kind of it's kind of weird when you think about that because on one hand you're like he's making your job easier he's making your life a hundred times easier mm-hmm. but at the same time you're so out of your game and you're not used to that that it actually at the same time hurts you too yeah it fucks up your rhythm because mm-hmm. he's because now LeBron is always the one initiating offense or even if the ball's not in his hands he's dictating what's going to happen in this set half court wise. Those players aren't used to that. Dwayne Wade wasn't used to that. Freaking Derrick Rose wasn't used to that. Kyrie Dancer wasn't used to that. And, you know, that's why some of those relationships worked, you know, depending on how players could adapt. Some of those relationships. I mean, LeBron makes it work with anybody, honestly, but it's just the aftermath is always interesting to watch. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, that whole Kyrie thing, though, like it's weird because now Kyrie's like the second, some nice, a lot of the nice, the third option if they all three play together because the ball is getting ran through Harden's hands. And I know Harden isn't scoring, but Harden is the one with the ball in his hands for mm-hmm. the majority of the time in that offense. Mm-hmm. And then, so he's a create. He's initiating the whole entire offense, and he's creating a shot for Kyrie, creating a shot for Durant, and everything like that. Even though sometimes, like a good, you know, a good amount of time, they still go get their own bucket. But the offense is ran through Harden. Mm-hmm. So that whole thing, right? There, Kyrie is like, I know he wanted to be, you know, him, but now being in that situation, you see how great he is in that situation too. Yeah, I, th- I think um, that's it's maturity. Just, that's maturity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he, that he, the mature Kyrie came because like he's just a, um, he's a, he's a great Robin. I mean, he's not like he can't be a Batman. He'd be a good Batman. Nah, not, like, I don't, I don't, I don't. I mean, I, I believe he would still be a solid Batman. I don't think he couldn't be a Batman. I just think he's a much better Robin. Nah, I don't think Kyrie's a Batman. That's not an ability thing. It's just a, it's like a personality consistency thing. Um. And I'm not going to put any dirt on his name or anything like that. Like, I'm sure Kyrie's a great teammate, but he's not consistent in, like, his actions and his worries. Like, it, like even this year, you know, he took time off for, like, personal reasons, which is cool, you know, but it's just. Yeah, he, I mean, he took he took time off for, I think it was the birth of a child. It was either, or he went to go see a child or something. Right, right. Somebody was having a child, yeah. But it's and the so birth of a child. Like you, you got to communicate that shit with your team. Like that, his team didn't know what the fuck he was. 
I mean, they did though. I mean, the media didn't. I mean, Chris, mm-hmm. when they asked, they when they asked questions on his teammates, it asked questions on, for Steve Nash and all of them. Steve Nash and them all gave good answers. Like, I mean, Kyrie's handling bit, like Kyrie, like blah blah blah. And they were like, "You got to ask Kyrie." Like, Kyrie's cool. They, uh, it started being near the end when they kept asking questions for weeks on end. Mm-hmm. Then they were like, "Okay, you have to ask Kyrie." Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, they had Kyrie's back. They were like, "Yeah, I mean, he's handling stuff." Blah blah blah. And Kyrie has said it at the end of the day. And Kyrie said something that I've been saying for a long time with these, like, with basketball players and professional athletes. Period. It's a job. And like, I remember how I mean you had a discussion, you were like, you're not completing your job and everything, but that's how they feel. Like, that's how Kyrie treats it. Kyrie said, this is a job. He's Correct. not putting basketball over everything else. So mm-hmm. when he went to go celebrate his sister's birthday, Kyrie just took more time off now. I don't know if you saw that, but he took time off. He's going to be gone for a couple more weeks again. He has to go. He's just taking yeah. personal time. And, and I feel like Kyrie just, needs to take that personal time. I feel like Kyrie gets burnt out fast. Like I, I believe it too, because he's, he, he's, not, he's not with... Like I said, he says it's a job. He's like, all that other stuff. You got to think of how much negativity comes to Kyrie. Kyrie, Kyrie, the media doesn't like Kyrie. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the things Kyrie does isn't like, it's not like he's out there saying, oh, F this person doing all this stuff. It's like he he's just living life, being like, acting like a normal guy. And he's not playing that stereotypical point guard role. You know, like how... Because the point guard has that certain you how you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be like Chris Paul, like how we were talking about earlier. That's how you're supposed to be as the point guard. Yeah. You're not that, supposed to be. Go ahead. No, no. I was about to just say it's kind of like the quarterback. You're supposed to be a certain way. You're mm-hmm. not you're not allowed to be a diva and stuff like receivers and stuff. Like he's not allowed to be like shooting guards, power forward, small forward, everything else. He had he's supposed to be a certain way because he's the point guard, and that's just not how he is. Correct. And I mean it's that kind of goes hand in hand with what I was trying to say earlier. Like he's he's not what your prototypical quarterback or point guard would be. He's not the, you know, keep my composure in the midst of my agitation type person. And I mean he's pretty composed. I'm not saying he like flies off the handle or some shit, but like he he is visibly annoyed with lines of questioning sometimes. And that that small media relationship, but it just him not walk him not walking and talking the part. This kind of throws me off, and it just really makes me wonder, you know, can he handle being the guy for 82 games, you know? Can, can he handle it just being him night in and night out and then having to be the, you know, be the one to burden, both, um, handle the burden, the, the loss being on him or the win being on him? That's a lot for one person. I mean, he's matured, but, I mean, he hasn't had to be in that situation since before LeBron came to Cleveland. I agree with you, what you're saying right there, because – the whole, because you know, like I said, him not him treating it just like a job mm-hmm. and not like a lifestyle, like everybody else. With him wanting to take so many days off and taking personal time and doing X, Y, and Z, and that's not exactly what you want your leader to show showcase. Like if you're a young guy, you're a rookie, second year, third year player, and you coming in and you just see the best player on your team and the captain and leader of your team being like, "I'm gonna take three weeks off right now." I'll see y'all in a bit. I'm taking some personal time, just like he's at a regular job and he's just taking personal leave. And he's like, oh, that's how it happens around here? Mm-hmm. Like, my whole thought process was you got to keep working, 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 grinding, 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 because your spot can leave at any moment. But Kyrie has a luxury that, you know, the 14th man on the bench, you know, he can't do that. He can't be like, I want to take two two weeks off. Right, right, because. Right. Yeah, so I can, I can see that in that regard with the leadership part because they're like, because you wanna you you want them to you want to see them doing what you're doing. You mm-hmm. putting in work every day doing X Y and Z. You want to see your your you know your leader doing that too. Right. But that's just something you wouldn't see right there. Since we're on the topic of Kyrie, though, I have a question. Did you see what he said earlier today? No. About the N word. How he doesn't like, like how he doesn't like the N word. He don't believe we should be saying the N word and all this. And apparently, that's the stuff that set off him with Dennis Schroeder. I saw him. I saw the tweet with the you know they was. I saw them the exchange and someone was like put the captions of what they were saying and shit. Yeah, uh, yeah, because he called. That's what because Kyrie started tweeting about it afterwards because he called him a nigga and Kyrie was like, "Don't call me a nigga and everything." Blah blah blah, and he was like. Yeah, blah blah. Cause you know, Dennis Schroeder just was like, "Man, like, chill out, nigga," and everything like that. He didn't say it like in a demeanor. Like, he just said it like a normal way. 
and Kyrie wasn't having it. He's like, don't call me that because Kyrie doesn't like the N word. And I'm trying to find the tweet now because he 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 wasn't he wasn't um rocking with it. Yeah. So like, what what, what do you? I'm, I'm gonna tell you right now. That's not why Kyrie was mad. It, it's really hard for me to believe. How long Kyrie been in the league? Seven years, probably. Maybe more than but that. I'm saying, but he's changed his mentality because people started posting old videos of him saying the N word. But he's saying like he doesn't right. say it anymore. Right. He's but on like, this. He's on this little chain. But so if like what I'm saying is if if nigga was the response. Alyssa, is that response out of you? You've been had that that emotion towards that word, right? Just like me and you, mm-hmm. we're black men. If we're, our coworkers call us a nigga, we feel a certain type of way and then we nip it right there because we were raised to not, you know, hear that word coming from a certain person's mouth or just anybody's mouth in general, right? Yeah. It, it, it's not like that for Kyrie. If it's something he just decided that conversation goes a little differently. You know, it could probably have a little bit more candle. Hey, bro, I just, you know, hey, brother, I don't respect that. You know, don't don't call me that. You know what I'm saying? But he was mad. By the way he was reacting, he was mad before that. You oh, know yeah, yeah. I, mean? I agree with that. I agree with that. That yeah, just like, set him over the top. He was already upset. Yeah. And so when he said that, that just set him over the top. Because here's, here's what Kyrie said. He said the N-word is a derogatory racial slur. It will never be a term of endearment, reclaimed, flipped, never forget is foul in true history. Throw the N-word out the window right alongside all those other racist words used to describe my people. Mm-hmm. We are not slaves or ends. Okay, so but first off, let's just talk about the topic in general. How do you what do you what are your feelings on that topic? On what like the N-word? Yeah. I I under you know you know we all understand the history behind it and everything. However, at the same time, I don't think there's any way to ever eliminate the N word because you know you've seen celebrities come out and say it for years upon years. You saw Oprah like what like six seven years ago try to get everybody to stop saying the N word and everything. Mm-hmm. You saw some rappers and saw all these other people saying don't say the N word. All these yeah. you're saying we're not going to say it anymore. My thing is the power the the word has as much power as you give it. Mm-hmm. Like I obviously use it, you obviously use it, mm-hmm. but um, I'm gonna use it in as this far podcast. as that. Der- yeah, that we both said it this podcast. But as far as the derogatory form of it, like you said, like what other people said, I'm not gonna. I used to be where I would get upset when people said it, and I would, you know, get ready to throw hands, get re- get upset, and everything. Nowadays, when I hear it, I'm just like. It's whatever because it, it's as much power as you give it. If you let, if you get a reaction out of it, and people are saying it, and they see you right there, they obviously see you right there, mm-hmm. and they get a react, try to get a reaction out of you. Then I'm just like, it has as much. I'm just not. I don't have to associate. I'm not gonna give you the reaction of getting upset, getting yeah. up in your face, and everything all that stuff. I'm just gonna be like, I'm gonna chill, be like, cool, whatever you said, what you said, and. I'm just I'm like I'm a legend. I'm like, hey, I'm I'm not I don't feel that, I don't respect that. And then we just keep it moving and I just don't really have to associate with you anymore at the past that. But I'm I'm past the whole getting upset over certain things like that. Cause at the end of the day, they're not gonna be stressing. I've learned I've learned over after a while, especially come because like I told you before, I can't I went from an all black school mm-hmm. to an all white school mm-hmm. where like I was like the there was like less than five black people in my school. My mom was the first black coach and everything at that school. Oh, your mom coached your school? From... Yeah, she was a coach at my school. Hmm, okay. Yeah, so that's what I was like. So she was the first black coach. So it's like, you jump from that to that, you go from a city, uh, you know, a black city to a small white country town. So things like that. So I uh, eventually, at the beginning, like I said, I used to be upset. We were in a fight, but then at the over time, you know, they're not going to stop it no matter what. They're not going to – you can't force somebody else to change. That's yeah. how I basically feel about it. And that's how I feel Kyrie should approach that too. Like, it's it's just – I mean, live your truth however you want to live it. Just live it with caution, man, because nobody – one is you're very fortunate in the sense that your job is a game, right? So you may not it's love it. It's a children's it. game. I mean, it's a children's game. I mean, you're playing at an adult stakes, right? Like, you don't do it well, you lose your job and shit. But your job is a game. Like, when you guys are out there battling out and stuff, like, there's really no ill will, per se, outside of competitiveness. 
So if someone, especially another black man, is like, yo, watch out, nigga, you know what I mean? It's I don't take it as yo, watch out, watch out, you know, boy, you know, the it's not the same connotation that boy has. It's just it's just it's just like saying, watch out my guy for another black man. I think I just think, you know, Dennis was probably cooking his ass a little bit earlier. And Kyrie was already a little agitated. The season isn't really going the greatest for the Nets. It's not going bad, but they should be doing way better than what they are. They're really inconsistent right now. I just think it's just well, a they, they rarely had everybody there at the same time. Yeah, and that's everybody they, they've yet to have like yeah. that whole five there with now with they, Marcus Blake and all them. They play less than twenty games with their their starting five, or they're supposed <laughs> to be starting five, which is crazy in this season. But it's just, mm-hmm. I mean, Kyrie, I mean, good on them for trying to. Trying to, in short, make the world a better place. I just don't know if anybody was convinced by the the exterior he was trying to present. I don't think Dennis was worried at all. Um, I I wouldn't be worried at all if I was Dennis. I, I've never seen Kyrie get physical with anybody in my life. That's just I mean, that's just me though. Yeah. I don't think Kyrie was going to fight him. Kyrie definitely wasn't going to fight him over saying the N-word. Because you even saw that like, they said, like, even before they got thrown, like, di- neither one of them looked like they were going to fight. They just got in an argument. They said stuff, blah, blah. People stepped in front of them, and then Kyrie walked off and was still talking as he was walking off. Mm-hmm. And Schroeder was looking. Schroeder honestly looked kind of confused, too, if you look, go back and look at the video. Hell, yeah. Like, they were arguing. He looked, he looked kind of confused. Like, damn, that really set him off? Just saying that really set him off like that? Mm-hmm. So... And the Lakers were up at the time, too. So it's not like, because I know a lot of people said Kyrie going out was like the big thing for the Nets. But, I mean, the Lakers were up at the time. Even though they were up for only a little, they still were up at the time with none of their stars. Like AD, Kuz, LeBron all out. So do you think that? Go ahead. No, I was going to say they were still up. Yeah. So do you think that loss is just a representation of like inconsistency from the Nets? Or do you think it's just this compressed NBA schedule with less rest? You know, your team gets branched out faster, and then even with injuries, they get branched out even faster? Um, I would have to say the whole – because one, Harden isn't there. And like I said, he's the initiator of the offense. Mm-hmm. Durant is on a minute restriction. Last game, he played like 17 minutes. This game, he only played like 20 some. So for a good portion of that time when the Lakers were on that run, Durant wasn't really there because he's coming back from an injury, so he's mm-hmm. still on a minutes restriction. Mm-hmm. So at that point, there, I think the Lakers were up like three when Kyrie got ta- got tossed. So you have KD. You still got KD, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Blake Griffin, but obviously LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin aren't who they are anymore. So it was basically with Durant playing sometimes and Durant being on the bench, he's still on a minute restriction. It, I see it mainly as – Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge in the Nets bench versus the Lakers bench is basically what that game came down to. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it show, it just showcased that the Lakers might have a deeper bench. That's the, that's all it showcased because yeah. I feel like if, obviously, if the stars were there, you have Katie Harden. If, if Kyrie still gets tossed, but you still have Harden there, then I don't think the Nets are really worried as much. But since... Like, everybody's been out. And I feel like this whole COVID situation has been messing up a lot of things either. It's been mm-hmm. – have you seen a lot of teams struggle this year? Yeah. You see a lot of teams that are, like, 500, below 500 and all that stuff, and you're like, oh, they had a lot of title, championship aspirations, or playoff aspirations, and they're not doing nothing. But one week they might be hooping, and then somebody in their locker room gets tested positive for COVID, mm-hmm. and then next thing you know, like five players, six players are shut down, and they're playing with a new lineup with some people they called up from the G League, and that's who they're playing with. And that happened – I know that's happened to Toronto. That's happened to Boston. Mm-hmm. That happened a lot of times to Philly. And it's just you see things like that, and you're like, damn, like it's hard for you to get adjusted and play how you want when things like that keep happening. Yeah, I'll be real interested to see what kind of incentive the league offers teams to get their teams vaccinated at 100% clip. Just because the the frequency, I mean, the NBA was always going to rest, you know, their star players. Kawhi was going to take some rest games. KD was definitely going to take some rest games this year. LeBron was probably going to take about 10 of them. 
So that was always going to happen. But then the risk of them getting sick and having to set out two weeks minimum and then, you know, the effects of being sick doesn't isn't really consistent. Some people still feel it a month later. Some people don't feel any symptoms at all. I'm just real interested to see what the league does in terms of trying to get everybody, not in compliance, but, you know, in general safety as far as being inoculated from the virus. Because that if mm-hmm. that can happen, then you can have a full complement of your, your roster, your stars specifically, and have them able to travel city to city without, you know, an increased risk of getting sick because they're vaccinated. And then, you know, this this season and the logistics of your, your team looks a little different. Yeah, um, um, I I like the bubble. I like when they were in the bubble, but I get you can't have them in that bubble twenty four seven. And the whole basically you can't have them in the bubble eight months out of the year, you know? Because they still have families, they still have other things they need to do. And it's not just good for the social environment, just uh, you know, just be away from your people that long. But I know people started comparing it to like militaries and stuff like that, like them being deployed for six months, 12 months, whatever. And they've not been able to see their family for that long, but yet these athletes can't go six to eight months without their families when they're just playing and making millions. But I still don't think I understand that argument, but I still don't think it'd be a good idea just to have them that bubble year round. Mm-hmm. I still don't, I just don't understand. I just feel like you'd get more athletes depressed and stuff. Like how Danny Green was talking about how he was like legit depressed in the bubble because they're not, they're not trained. Like when the military, you understand what you're signing up for. You understand you can get deployed. You understand all those things. These athletes didn't sign up to, you know, be basically like away from everybody. The whole thing. You're like you can be away for a couple games out of the year and all that other stuff. Uh, you be a couple games out of the week. I mean, and then you come back, you build your family and stuff. But I just feel like that not everybody's built for that mental toll. I mean, how long, the how long has the bubble last? Like two months? The 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 bubble for the playoffs? I mean, just the the play in and the playoffs. Was it two months tops? I think it started. No, it was longer than two months. Cause you gotta think they cause they didn't finish until what like. Um, September what? Uh, September Octoberish? They didn't finish. No, they were in there for they were in there for like four or five months. Bro, they were not in there for five months. They they were in there for quite a while. I think they. I can't remember exactly when they started. Um, let me actually. I don't know. Well, let's take a quick break yeah. and then we'll come back. We'll have that answer when we come back for sure. And we are back from that short break. To answer that question, though, that we got over the break, it was three months they were in. So, you know, we only we were somewhere in the middle, but that's not too bad. That's still a long time. However, we're going to jump into the next segment. Um, I'm going to hand it over to you, Spells, or Bakari, whatever you want to be called. Yeah, man. If you know me, I keep my ear to the streets. I'm a man of the people, so... You know, this weekend I spent some time in Orlando at this little tournament, my little brother's tournament, actually. And it was like a little, I think he's in eighth grade. So it was like 13, 12, 13 year olds playing. And it's just, it's really weird. You say you went to like an all white school in high school? Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think of the politically correct way to say this. When I was in Hampton and I was at, there's a sports complex called Boo Williams Sports Complex and Boo Williams was a legend in the seven cities of Virginia because I think he played like professional football or whatever, but he he made it professional somewhere and he came back and he built this huge sports complex. So I was seeing I was seeing seventh graders at this A this huge AAU tournament invitational. I was seeing second to like eighth graders just hoop, like very advanced skills, kids from all over the all over the country come and hoop it out. And so when I went to Orlando, I kind of expected to see the same scene. I'm like, all right, club, my little brother, he's going to do his thing. His team going to do their thing. And, you know, we're going to be aggressive. We're going we're gonna to be dominant, et cetera, et cetera, because this is AAU ball. 
went there first game, got me a hot dog, a honey bun, and a Gatorade. And I just watched my brother's team get their ass whooped the first game. There was a, and this, this this is AAU ball, mind you, right? Mm-hmm. But this shit mm-hmm. like, looked more like wreck. And it's not, let me get this out of the way. My brother, nice. You know what I'm saying? He came, he did what he could. He's probably like three for four the first game from three. So I'm not mad at his performance. He could have gotten the lane a little more. He could have been a little bit more assertive getting the ball a little more. But he's, he's 13. What are you going to do, right? But that team... I just I don't know what they're doing. There. I feel like anybody gets an AAU team now, and I feel like there's no there has to be like a bar. Like there should be a play-in tournament to qualify for playing AAU ball. And I just I just don't know how coaches deal with having a lack of talent and how they coach around that when they're playing at a competitively like that. Like you coach you coach rec ball, so you kind of understand that like every team you get is not going to be the best team. And then you have to take that team that may not be the best and then compete with teams that significantly better. And then you still have parents and you still have kids that you're responsible for and you're responsible for that product. Like, do you have any takes on that? Uh, Yeah. The whole AAU thing. I didn't understand that till I got older because when I was younger, you know, you know, I hooped. So, Playing in leagues like that, doing stuff like that, you're like, okay, that's what's up. You feel like it, like you doing everything you can, but you would see teams that weren't all that great at first. And so I was confused for a while because I know you know there's different, you know, divisions and everything like that, like different levels to AAU. However, when I got older, I thought you don't have to be special to get AAU. You just have to pay. You just have to pay to enter tournament. Because when I saw that, I honestly. I started um, rapping with my wife about it. And I was like, I want to start my own team. I was like, I don't want to coach. I don't want to do like that. But I want to fund and build my own team. For AU, all you got to do is like they, they tell you the prices. They Because there's the tournaments. And they have their own fees. Certain tournaments be like $50 a kid. Some tournaments be like $20 a kid. It depends on the mm-hmm. tournament. But, you know, obviously the top tournaments and everything like that, they're more expensive. And mm-hmm. so, so this, what do you say? So this is perfect. So you say you want to start your own team. What is the talent cutoff for you to accept? Are you going, are you going to take anybody that's willing to pay? Absolutely. Are you going to have trials to be? Okay. Yeah. Cause so for, tell me what, yeah, first of all, I wasn't even worried about paying because my whole thing was this too. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, especially coming from humble backgrounds and everything like that. I know, and I've seen some hoopers, and I've seen some real hoopers, and they couldn't pay to get on certain teams, you know? So, mm-hmm. so there's some cats that's never played AU, they didn't play AU because they 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 didn't have the funds to do it. So you just see they 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 hoop at open gym, they hoop all the other things. You're like, why are they not on a team? They definitely should be on a team. If these other cats on the team, they should be on a team. And so my thing is more aimed towards that too, because I'm all about getting into my community and everything like that. So especially cats like that, that can really hoop and can really, really hoop, but they can't, you mm-hmm. know, they can't fund themselves. I'm like, you don't got to worry because I'm going to fund it. Um, that's what I'm looking yeah. into. I'm looking into funding it, the whole thing by myself so I can control it. There's mm-hmm. no, Hey, I'm paying my, like the parent, like, Hey, I'm paying this much. Why is my kid not playing? You're not paying a dime. Mm-hmm. Yo, yo kid, the one thing I'm going to let the parents know straight up too, yo kid might come up here and the practice is going to be tough. Because I'm going to make sure if I mm-hmm. do this, I'm going to get a real good coach. I'm going to get a real ass coach and everything like that. The practice is going to be tough. So even if yo kid doesn't get that much playing time, I promise mm-hmm. you he's going to get better. Because him going to bat with these players every day in practice He's going mm-hmm. to improve. Even if he's sitting on a bench in games, he's going to improve. And the players mm-hmm. that actually, you know, the top dogs and everything else like that, I want them to go out there and I want them mm-hmm. to shine. And I want them to do their thing. And that's just my – that's that's kind of my way because I've been looking for a way to give back to. And that's just one of my ways I feel like I'm going to give back. And I just feel like that's so how – So your intent isn't to coach at all. You just want to no, be the executive. I don't want to coach at all, bro. Coaching – coaching is not for me. I've had – three stints coaching and I haven't enjoyed the actual coaching aspect in any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so what all did you coach? Okay. So once I graduated high school and everything, right. 
over mm-hmm. over the summer, my uh my old varsity coach, he he called me up. He know he was like, Hey, blah, blah, blah. First, I want you to help me with this camp and everything. We're gonna, we're gonna have the you know how the coaches they have their whole middle school, elementary school, and high school camps and everything, you know what I mean? So he's like, mm-hmm. I want I'm gonna call you, I want you to help me out with these camps and everything because you know, you're my old point guard. I still know you know what you what you're doing, so I want you to help me out. And then whenever they mm-hmm. he took them to go and like play because like uh osu texas a&m and osu are the two schools we usually went to in over the summer mm-hmm. and they have this whole thing where they you know all these teams come out there they play there's just yeah you know stuff like that so it's basically kind of like a it's kind of it's, it's the aau environment yeah, yeah, yeah because you're in the, the high school yeah you're yeah because you're in the dorms and everything you're there for like a week two weeks and everything like that. So mm-hmm. he was like, Hey, come up here. Um, I want you to coach the JV team. I'm telling you, he's like, I'm sending the varsity team to Texas A&M. I'm sending the JV team to Oklahoma state. I want you to come mm-hmm. coach the JV team. And I was like, cool, mm-hmm. whatever. And so I went up there, I was coaching, I was trying to do my thing, but I struggled because coming from a point guard perspective, and I was like, sometimes it'd be frustrating when I'm telling people I want, I draw something up or I tell them to do it. And then they don't do it the way I envisioned them to do it. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. or when I'm watching them and I'm like, cause I like, I believe in letting them play too. I'm like, oh, you can make mistakes. You gonna play. And I'm watching them. I'm like, you did that. But if you waited a split second early or a split second later, then you had something else, a better shot open up right there. You rush into that mm-hmm. shot instead of, waiting for that one person to come off that screen right there and do X, Y, and Z. You reached right there and played that passing lane and then got beat back door because you were staring at the mm-hmm. ball. Stuff like that, they will, it will frustrate me. And I'm telling them, mm-hmm. and sometimes like there's some talented kids and they're like, or some of them, they're just athletes. They're not hoopers, right. they're athletes. So it's like, and a lot of them, they were, they were athletic. You know, they getting above the rim doing X, Y, and Z. So people think they can hoop, but I'm like, that doesn't make you a hooper. You're not understanding right. the ins and out when I'm trying to explain to you that there's more to this game. Back, my old my old AU coach, like my old coach, he used to always tell me basketball is a thinking man's game. He used to tell me that all the time because I started playing with him when I was in sixth grade. He was like, basketball is a thinking man's game. It's a thinking man's game. And he because he was the true coach R, like loving the death. He played overseas in Europe and everything. He was a true hooper. Man could hoop. He be in mm-hmm. practices sometimes. Like he's like, I, he's like, he's not the most athletic. He's not this, that, and that. He was a knockdown shooter and he can handle the ball. He was like, he's smart. He's like, basketball is a thinking man's game. You don't have to out-athlete your opponent. If your fundamentals mm-hmm. are right and your IQ right, you can win games. So I was trying to take that into the coaching, and it was hard when they're not mm-hmm. understanding that. So that first time mm-hmm. was dead. Like it was a cool environment, hanging out with everybody and doing stuff like that. But yeah, it was, and it was also kind of it. Co- it was caused conflicts because these are the same people. Because a lot of the people on JV, they were on the freshman team the year before, and I had mm-hmm. I was like they knew me. So it was hard for them mm-hmm. too to still to differentiate that coach and homie kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Really had no practice time with him. Yeah, I didn't have no practice time with them either. And I was like, they were like, oh, he was just a senior, blah blah. blah. We know what he know what he's talking about, but they're like, but you're not. They don't see you as like a coach or an adult. They see you as just like that senior. So they're like, blah blah blah. We know what we're talking about too. And so you having those little bickers back and forth. I was like, so I was getting frustrated then. Mm-hmm. We did our thing there. Next year, coach calls me up, does the same thing, and this time it's like because a, a whole new group of freshmen. And I don't, I don't know this group because I'm already, I've already been graduated. Mm-hmm. I've been gone. Coach called me. I'm like, okay, cool. What's up? Meet these people, and then this time, this is my first time having problems with parents because parents mm-hmm. coming up to me and being like, hey, blah blah blah. Because like I, we we had a little like tournament before we went over to OSU. So we had a tournament right. and the parents were complaining about certain kids playing time. Be like, well, if my, if this is how it's going to be when we go out there to OSU, my son's not going to go. And I'm just like, Hey, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, Hey, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you how to parent. Don't tell me how to coach. Like I said, we had certain looks, we had certain matchups and that's how we went where we went. Like there was a reason. A lot, that of, parents I don't, a lot of parents don't get that. Those those summer tournaments and those summer camps essentially is really your kid's trial. Cause a lot of coaches already know who, who they 15 or who they 12 is going to be. 
before they even do that official tryout in the fall. Oh, absolutely. You know, a little bit after football season. So, I mean, that that's your kid's tryout. So, if you don't want your kid to come, that's fine. Now I know who's dedicated. Now I know who's not. And, I mean, kid, kid number 13 just moved up to 12 and he gets some burn. And he showed me something I like. And now he got the spot. So, it's, it's yeah. perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hate an over-involved parent, man. Like, if you want to work with your kid, work with them at home. If you want your kid to do something specific, work with them at home and then have them do it in practice and have them do it in the game. That's why don't that's tell how I feel me. Too. Yeah. Don't don't tell me what to teach your kid because what you really tell me when you say that is I can't coach. And that may be true, but I'm not gonna like it when you say it. And it's not gonna make me do anything different. Yeah, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not saying I, can't I don't know how to do my it's job. Who, yeah. It's like is who who are they paying? Who who do they appoint for this position? Was it you and me? If it's me. Then go sit down with the rest of the parents. You know, respectfully, everybody has an input, and everybody should be concerned with their kids' well-being. But this is a you know this is a crazy? game. I told the parents that at the beginning. Whenever I had a mm-hmm. meeting with the parents, because you know I'm new to coaching and everything, so I was like, I had a meeting. I said, if y'all have any constructive criticism, let me know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm new to this coaching side. Let me know. But I don't, I'm like, I'm, but I'm cool with them talking. Like some parents, they were like, oh yeah, blah, blah. We know this. I'm like, okay, cool. Watching, talking, blah, blah. Okay, I'll look into that. Because we recorded the games. I'll look into that. I'll watch that. I'll see what you're talking about. I feel you. Some parents, I'm like, you just yelling about your son, blah, blah. And then you see those parents. Oh my God. You see some, because like none of my athletes, but some, I see some other athletes in there was one dude, he was a he was a hooper, but he got he had his dad in the stands just yelling, telling him every single time, be like, oh, shoot the ball, blah, blah, blah. And he stops running, excuse me, he stops running the coach's offense and got benched because he up there listening to his parent. And his dad yeah, sitting was, there yelling. And I'm like, what do you look like an idiot? You look like a fool. And then you see some parents, I mean, some kids and stuff. They cussing they parents, they cutting the cussing the coaches out and stuff, and you see the parents cussing the coaches out, and I'm like, I'm watching that, and I'm like, you realize what kind of lesson you're teaching your child right now? I'm glad none of my athletes thought they could do that because I'm like, what are you talk? Who are you talking to like that? You don't want, well, right. for, like, like don't 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 get messed up right now because we that's not how we that's not how we rapping right now. So yeah, man, I, it's it's just a weird it's. It's one of those basketball is one of those sports where parents can always get a little bit too close to the coaches because in football, you know, there's a there's a fence that separates the sideline and the bleachers, right? So you can't mm-hmm. really the bands playing and shit like you can't really hear, you know, a specific voice. But in basketball in the gym, I mean, even over the cheerleaders, even over like people walk into the concession stand and shit, like you're going to hear your mom's voice carry shoot the ball. Mm-hmm. My son, you you gonna hear that across anything, and then you know someone want to say something to the coach. I mean, the coach gonna hear it. It's, it's depending on, if you you got a coach like my coach in high school, he ain't taking that shit. Oh, absolutely, my coach didn't take that. Yeah, my coach would be like, oh, okay, yeah, you definitely sitting because you can tell your parent to shut up. My 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 yeah. coach, oh my god, okay, you you've seen me before, and you know how bad my mouth is. My coach used to kick mm-hmm. me up my. My first year playing under him, he kicked me out of so many practices because, like, it, my mouth was bad. And he he would just mm-hmm. kick me like, we don't need you. And he kicked me out. And then it took mm-hmm. me a while to get mature enough to understand where he was coming from. And he, he's he's the best coach I ever had. But he was, he was one of those that I, didn't, I don't care what you say. I don't care what your parents say. I'm not going to take, you know, anything. So, yeah, it's those relationships are what make me hesitant to get into into coaching like youth sports like we we did a stint where I kind of moonlighted as like a, a assistant coach with the NML shit mm-hmm. and the con squadron and stuff and that was that was cool because it's grown men and grown men are normally accountable for themselves right so all I really had to do was manage the rotation and give some give advice you know what I'm saying it's a, it's a squadron red led team but it's just dealing with kids. I don't really know what the age group would be right for me, and you definitely have to go older too than much. That. because those young parents, kids parents are, are those, young, those young kids are very very difficult. Because I remember I told you I had so those ten year olds, and they were difficult. Yeah, yeah, I heard that struggle. But see, I feel like the struggle you get with young folks is a lot different than the struggle you get with older folks. Because when you go older, right, you already have skills developed. Right, say so you go fourteen, they should already be able to do a crossover. They should know what a jump shot looks like. 
they should know most of the basic drills you're doing, suicides, any kind of shooting drill you might want to implement. And if it is new, it shouldn't take nothing but a practice to pick it up. But like the the downside is their parents have seen them play rec ball or AAU ball for the last 10 years and they have a certain expectation. Whereas with the younger kids, if you pick up 10-year-olds, this may be their first time touching the basketball. So now you're talking about the practices focused on fundamentals versus scheme. And I mean, it's just, it looks different on game day. But here's the deal with the younger kids. The younger kids have a stricter schedule and they're more protective over the younger kids because they're like, they're young, they're learning, they're new to the game and everything. So mm-hmm. where the, the practice times and the practice, the, how long you can practice with like the older kids, you know, they're, they're more flexible. You can practice more, you can do X, Y, and Z. With the younger kids, you can't, they don't want to take too much away from their social life. So they take away mm-hmm. a lot of their practice. Time. They'd be like, oh, you can get an hour two times a week. And it's like, I'm limited yeah. to what I can do in an hour. So that's what I was doing. Like the first couple practices, I was trying to focus on fundamentals. We weren't playing. We weren't scrimmaging. We weren't shooting and everything like that. And I was trying to focus on the fundamentals and the, and it just, they, they weren't, they weren't grasping it because not, a lot of them had never yeah. touched a basketball before. So, you know, you're trying to work and on the ones that did, it's hard to keep them engaged. Mm-hmm. It's hard to keep them engaged because they're like, we're doing basic stuff, but it's like, there's only like two of y'all that's played basketball before and the other nine haven't. So I know it's hard for y'all to stay engaged, but we need this for the rest of them because they can't go out there. If I say, and then when I wanted to go practice sets and everything, other little kids, I'm not going to have them running man or anything because they get confused a lot. I was like, just play two, three zones, stay in your area. And I can't say that to them because they don't know what that means. So I'm over there trying to teach it to them little by little. And I tell their parents to work with them. And that's where parent engagement is important. And then I'd come back and I'd ask the kids before every practice. I was like, how many of y'all practice after, since our last practice? How many of y'all touched the basketball since our last practice? 80% of them would always say no. None of them. They'd be, oh, no, we have been, we've been playing Fortnite. We've been doing all these other things. I'm like, that's cool, but I need, and I keep telling the parents, I need y'all to practice with y'all kids outside of practice. But then they feel mm-hmm. like they don't have to because they're like, that's what we are paying you to do. You know what I mean? We're having you coach our kids. But I'm like, yeah, but I only mm-hmm. get two hours out of a week. You have all this time. You have weekends all this time. I need you to work with your kid. I'm going to send you drill. I'm going to send you X, Y, and Z, but I need you to do it too. And it was yeah. very frustrating. That's not going to happen. Yes, yeah, not. it wasn't. I had to learn that. And But it's embarrassing when, because I joined the coaching group late. So they had already told me, they said, you got a new group of boys. They're, they just threw a bunch of like boys that didn't have a team onto one team. They're like, you got this new group of boys. A lot of them haven't played basketball before we need your new coach. We're going to see how you do with them. Basically. That's how it was. I'm talking to these other coaches. A lot of their coaches, they had the same team for three years, four years, and they've been hooping with each other. So they know what they're doing. They've been hooping. They have a structure and everything like that. But our first game, we didn't score a basket. Second game, we didn't score a basket. Third game, we scored two points and we didn't win a game to like our sixth game. And we put up like 14 points and the other team was just as bad. And that's no, no, we didn't even win that. Game. I think, yeah, I think they came back and won at the end. So it was a very, very long season. It was a very, it was a no, I think y'all won that game because you texted me. Oh, yeah, I did. Oh, yeah, I did get high before I won win. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I was, it was a struggle because I was conflicted on should I work with them with scrimmages and sets or should I just focus on their fundamentals? Cause I was trying to focus on their fundamentals. Like this is what you need to do. This is how you do a layup. This is how you do a crossover dribble like this. Always. This is a crossover step. This is a direct step. This is how you close up like stuff like that. Like simple basketball terms that they should have known for a couple years now, but they haven't cause they're new. And it's like, that's cool, but it's hard. You know what I mean? Like how, how would you have gauged that situation? Would you have focused more on the fundamentals or would you have been like, F it, we're just going to try to practice, um, but scrimmages and run and stuff so that when we get in the game, y'all do X, Y, and Z. Um, it's really tough. Like with a, with a team like that, cause you, my initial answer was I was going to 
like brush over just fundamentals and then implement practice like a scrimmage and then correct like doing the scrimmage but it's really hard to do that it's hard to scrimmage if someone can't dribble a ball correctly or like you know you have those two players that's so good it makes it hard for anybody else to get involved so it probably would have been like really heavily fundamental like once I realized my team was so bad that we weren't going to win any games my goal would have been instead of winning games I'm just going to make these guys confident so they have some confidence for next year. So we probably would have been this heavy fundamentals, honestly. Um, that is just so tough because in the moment, like, you know, on those Saturdays when you go to play, you got to you gotta look at them parents in the eye when you guys lose those games. And that shit is tough because, I mean, they they see their kids getting better, but if those that doesn't result to wins, so they just start questioning the effectiveness. And then you already a young coach. So I'm sure they were like in the back of their mind, kind of trying to blame you instead of their kid. That's natural for parents to do. Oh, absolutely! I guarantee they were talking about me not being a good coach and me not being able to equip for the situation. However, I would always bring the parents in, involve, try to involve them in the drills so that they could see mm-hmm. that their kids weren't either grasping it or would flat out just not listen. I can't tell you how many times I would have was just on the line running because they weren't listening. And I'd be like, come on, you got to mm-hmm. do X, Y, and Z. We got to do this. We got to do that. And so you see their parents. Their parents be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pay attention, pay attention. But so your kid's not paying attention in practice. But then so what do you think is going to happen when you get in the game? You're exactly. telling yeah, you're telling me some of the parents will come up to me like, Coach, you probably should implement them like practicing and playing against each other, like scrimmaging and stuff. And I'm like, but your son can't dribble the ball. Like he literally First. runs with the ball, and then when we get in the games, they keep calling him for travel. Cause he keeps sprinting with the ball, but you want me to play right. y'all and the game? I can't. I can't just jump to that. Did you guys have like a quarter limit? Like, did each team have to play like two? Each player had to play like two quarters at the minimum. Um, when they played two halves, I believe. Yeah, they played mm-hmm. two halves. They broke it down two, and each player had to play at least five minutes a half. That's how it went down. And that's another thing. So we had a team of 11 people. Only nine people showed up to, um, no, no, nine people actually showed up at some point throughout the season. First practice, only four people showed up. Mm. And then, so throughout the whole season, I was getting frustrated. I was calling my mom. Come on. Like I said, my mom's a coach. I'm calling Crystal. I'm getting pissed off because I'm like, bro, y'all need to come to practice. They're not coming to practice, but then they show up for the game. They don't know what mm-hmm. they're doing. Like I said, they're already new. And then they get washed, and then they try to come to practice later. And then that's what I said. Throughout the season, about nine of them. But I never had all nine at the practice at the same time. So that was also a frustrating thing. I'm talking to parents, like, why can't your son get to the game? I mean, why can't your son get to the game, but he can't get to practice? Oh, well, I had this come up. I had this. I had that. And I'm like, that's cool, but I need them at practice. I need them there. And... I still remember the the one time, I'm pretty sure I told you about that too, when one of my players, he kept talking while I was talking. And I said, okay, stop talking. Mm-hmm. And I was like, blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to talk. I was trying to explain something. He kept talking. I was like, okay, whatever. Stop talking. Like everybody in line, run. And then we going to, he started jogging. I said, okay, cool. He not jog. He going to jog. Everybody keep running. We tried to get into the next mm-hmm. drill. He wasn't paying attention. He was still doing him. Everybody on line, run. And then finally, I was like, I'm about to stop punishing everybody. You go sit down against the wall. You don't practice no more. Everybody else, we doing the drill. Blah, blah, blah. Old boy's mom gets up from the stands, walks over to her, tells her son, come on. They leave, and then they just left practice. Yep. Yeah. You know I mean, it's it's, it's weird because I know, I know how my wife is, and your wife probably the same way. Like, no one likes their kid to get, like, singled out. But it's, it's a discipline thing, man, and people do not understand how important discipline is. When you send your kids out into the world and you put them under the authority of somebody else, because that reflects poorly on you. If your kid don't know how to take simple direction from an adult that is instructing them and trying to help them in life, then what do you think they do in school when the teacher asks them to review their homework? Do you think they comply with that? What do you think they're going to do at a traffic stop, you know, as a black man when, you, you know what I'm saying? Like it's discipline is so important and it is, it's very frustrating when you get the parent, because kids are going to be kids. Kids are going to loaf off. They're not going to listen. They, they're going to test your boundaries. But when the parents enable that behavior, 
that just really blows me. And that's why, like I said, just the parents are the scary part about youth sports to me. I commend you. I'm, I'm real interested to see, you know, where you go with your AAU program. What grades are you going to do? Or what age groups are you going to do? I got to figure, I got to figure that part out still because I still got to figure out the ins and outs of AAU because it's easy when you're a player and all you do is play. You don't know the ins and outs. However, mm-hmm. whenever I started looking into it, there's so much to figure out because it depends. Like, are you going to only do local tournaments or are you going to try to travel? If you travel, you got to get um, hotels. You got to find a way for them to get there. You got to do, you got to pay for food. You got to do all these things. But if it's local. It's not worth it if you don't travel. Yeah, it's not worth it if you don't travel. However, er, you, I wanted to start off local. I was talking to one of my homies about it. I was like, I want to start off local so that the team can. I don't want to travel and then oh, they what get is local washed. To you like, you're talking about local to Texas or local to San Antonio? Uh, local, just a neighboring city so that the parents don't have to drive. You know, maybe parents drive an hour at most outside, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, it's yeah. so local like that where they just pick up tournaments here and there so we can build a chemistry, figure things out so I can get used to the whole program. We can build camaraderie. I don't want to go, you know pay all this money to go have my team go out there to Florida and then we just go out there and get washed and we don't even show up. I'm like, I'm be hot. So I want us to build up, get good, get better, build up a, like a good product so that when we go out there to the real world and everything and start traveling and going mm-hmm. to play against better teams that we look mm-hmm. right. We come correct. And that even though we're going to be a no-name, people remember who we are. They're like, okay, we don't know who they are, blah, blah, blah. But when we get there, we the real deal. So that's kind of yeah, I think, that's kind of how I want to go. Yeah, I feel like that's the best way because it's, it's kind of going to look like, okay, you start with, like, say, a sixth-grade team because when you started, right? Mm-hmm. So you start your sixth-grade team off local. So you go to San Antonio, Austin, Dallas, whatever. And you play those tournaments there. And then the very next year, you let that team go from just doing local tournaments to going to maybe Oklahoma for a tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we're not trying to go to nationals, but then you also create a sixth grade team that just stays local. And then that seventh grade team that goes up to eighth grade next year, maybe they start going to, you know, a California tournament or whatever. Like, you know, they start branching out the closer they get to that age where they start trying to garner, you know, college interest. Cause that to them, that's what it's about. And but it's still like progressive, like the talent level is not. It just doesn't get thrown in their face, because you know how like some 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 people regionally are just better at basketball just because of how they play, how big the city is and the the wealth of talent available. Trust me, I know. So, I, I came mean, from Dallas, right. and so, so yeah. a lot of them cats in certain region, it was ridiculous. It was like wherever we mm-hmm. were coming out, we we're gonna play a top ten team regardless. Yeah, so it's like, like it's ridiculous. Like I said, I, I was at Boo Williams, and I was, I was watching. It was like a sixth grader, and he was just doing shit sixth grader shit didn't do, like, like around the back passes on the money. Had a crazy three point shot. Like, I should have got his name because he's probably playing in college somewhere right now. But it's just the talent is different regionally, man. So, man, good luck with that shit, man. No, definitely, you know, anything I can do to help with that. Besides hey. coach, just let me know. Hey, I might, I mean, hey, I might reach out to you because I'm trying, like I said, I still got to figure out the ins and outs. And I want to build a team with it. I want to build a team of like with advisors and everything. We just figure things out. We we figure out how we're going to get the team and how we want to do this. Because I'm only one man and one man can't do, you know, one man can't do it all. Like, yeah. I mean, I feel like in that type of move, it all starts with your coaches, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to have, I mean, you got to have what, two per team at least. And then you got to have ones that's reliable that you don't have to have like mad oversight for because you're not going to be the coach. So you got to trust them to, you know, practice when they say they're going to practice and uphold a standard. Cause all, all people going to know is, okay, this is Harrison's AAU team. So, you know, this, this is his standard. So the coaches you hire or, you know, get the volunteer are shit. This in terms of work, I think that's what people are going to reflect back on you, and that's just the scary part of entrusting your brand on the other people. So yeah, just be careful with that. Yeah, that's probably the first piece of advice I give you. Your, your old AAU coach is probably the first one I reach out to, if if not to get him to coach to see who he's willing to recommend. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
That 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 would be good. I didn't even think of reach out to him. That'd be good. Just reach out to him, see see what made him go in and out and go about doing things like that. That that that's I, I know that's the gonna be my biggest thing because what I'm looking for in a coach is gonna be very 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 strict. Like because the players I'm gonna look for you know young talent and everything like raw talent and everything, but we can put on we can put up a good enough product with you know just local players as long as they buy in and they work their tail off you know what i mean they buy in mm-hmm. we can at least put up something that's you know respectable but yeah that, i gotta get i gotta find that coach because that coach is gonna be the instant i need somebody that's gonna be tough on the players and really embody just not not even like that is bigger than basketball it's not just about basketball but like you said like teaching them life lessons in everything that's just gonna go past all that like go past basketball be like yeah, you can, you, you, you got, when you hit a rough patch, you know, you can, you can go keep going and push through it because you got that instilled in you. You got that tough mentality in you. So I just, I want to, I want to go, I want, I want it to be bigger than basketball, but I also want basketball to be a part of it. Cause I know how big sports were to me. Yeah. So. Oh, oh no. shit. I hear a crying baby. Yeah, so you know, let's go ahead and wrap this up. We've been rapping for a while <laughs> anyway. So cause my wife already rushing me. She already done texted me and said, How much longer you got? So um let's go I mean, ahead. She's ready for that break. Yeah, she is. So um as we always say here at the Athletes Podcast, always remember to respect women, but most importantly remember to respect yourself. And we out. Mm-hmm.